Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, a venture capitalist who invests in early companies, like early, early, first check early, when no other investors will pay attention to you. The interview just ahead, but first, here's my update. This was a big week for both PayClub and the podcast. Let's start with PayClub. We've got momentum in our fundraising now. We're getting meetings left and right from referrals, cold emails are hitting, follow-up from Money 2020, really just from everywhere. We've got a lot of irons in the fire now. Also, the person we've wanted to invest in us the most from the very beginning, he finally did. He lives in San Francisco. He's a YC guy. He sold this company and is really one of the top guys in the fintech space. His name is going to carry a lot of weight for us. I don't want to tell you who he is just yet because his check hasn't come in, but hopefully next week or the week after. Um, but I want to t- talk about really what it took to, to land him, to get him to invest in us. We've been speaking with him for 18 months, sending him an update email every single month, trying to grab a coffee with him every time we go to SF, trying to bump into him at conferences. And after I don't know how many meetings, we finally convinced him. That's what it takes to do a startup, a year and a half of hustling and also building a product. I listened to a great podcast this week called Sales Growth, where the guy was saying to get investors, you have to already be successful. We're showing signs of success now, and getting this guy in is pretty big. But man, is it a grind. And that's why the outcome can be so big. It's fucking hard. And most people don't have the fortitude to stick with it. Okay, that's good news number one. Now, on to the podcast news. We got our first advertiser, a B2B company called 2U, which is an educational technology company that partners with graduate schools to make online courses. Uh, They're going to advertise on the pod from, from January to March. This is the same thing as before. I've been making a podcast every single week for a year and a half. And while the primary purpose of it is not to make money, it certainly has been one of my goals, and it will be nice to start to recoup some of the costs that go into this every week. Anyway, it's the first advertiser, and it's not a huge amount of money. I mean, come on, who wouldn't want to pay thousands of dollars to have me talk about their business to you guys? But it's really a stepping stone. Now that we've got the first one in, there's going to be much more to come, I hope. There's no way to know whether your startup is going to work or, or not, or a project you're working on, a job, whatever it is, there's really no way. But having the resolve to stick with it, it can lead to huge upside. 
The odds are that it won't, though. Nelson Mandela said, I never fail. I either win or learn. Okay, that's it. Let's get into the interview. Michael Berelsheimer, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Alex. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, you're a partner at B Partners, which is a venture capital fund, a kind of an early, early stage venture capital fund. And so we'll get into, we'll get into all of that. But we got to start like we always do at the very beginning. You were an entrepreneurial kid growing up, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, I, w- I grew up getting crazy lucky going to, to board meetings for, uh, for companies uh, starting when I was about eight years old, actually. So I've had the entrepreneurial bug since since the start, and and uh, and tried out being a being a founder when I was about in middle school with a with a little little uh, candy contraband business, and uh, and then grew my empire from there, if you will. Yeah, I did the same thing. I was selling candy and burn CDs out of my locker. <laughs> nice. Okay, so you are an entrepreneurial kid. You're starting all these businesses. Uh, and you go to college, and then you wind up in investment banking, just like me. But I want to hear what you were thinking when you were doing that. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I, I, I that's right. I've been an investor since I was a kid. And, and when I was in college, uh, got introduced to computer science uh, in, in about 1998 or 97, 96, and, uh, and fell in love with it. So in spite of my desire to, to pursue the investment world, I also uh, built a passion and, and grew a passion for for technology, and um, you know I saw a buddy of mine writing code and and said, "What are you doing?" And and that was really the spark that led me to become a computer science major to dabble in building products while I was at investment banking. In fact, I was at Credit Suisse for a couple of years as an analyst, and and and, and a side hustle is actually building software. Uh, for them to essentially automate all the work that I had been doing as an as an analyst, um, and uh, but but then again, uh, continued to to pursue the investment uh, side of things and and join a, a private equity firm thereafter, uh, and it was really there that started to understand the the breadth and depth of the U.S. economy, thinking about markets, thinking about innovation, um, and contemplating how software would would really change these stodgy old industries um and it was at that point that i had uh that i had met my the very first uh entrepreneur that i was going to back um and uh and and my life shifted uh, very quickly as a result of that okay so we'll, we'll take a pause on that entrepreneurial gamble here for a second but i want to get into more of the thinking of okay you're a really entrepreneurial person why not just graduate from school and start a business? Why do you think you had to do investment banking? What was the appeal there? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I did have the choice. I had the path of, of pursuing entrepreneurial endeavors versus going to, to uh, you know, build out an, an apprentice in the real world, if you will. And from, from my perspective, I felt like I wasn't ready yet. I, I, I needed a couple of sparks. I needed to understand markets. I needed to to really build out a network of individuals and, and, and folks who, who I could learn from. And, and frankly, I, I, I didn't quite know how to, how to work as hard as I do now. And I think that having gone to, to New York and pursued investment banking and, and, um, and, and, and started my career, I really learned how to work within teams and what I liked, what I didn't like the cultures uh, of organizations. And I think that those, 
the soft parts of having been part of large enterprises uh, has has also shaped and formed the way that we think about businesses and how we talk about founders and and uh, and how we think about how important culture is to to the to the 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 um, uh, to the depth of an of a company uh, going forward. Right. So, Michael, let me share something about my story, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So, I like you was an entrepreneurial kid, like business after business, and they were a lot of them were just really succeeding. And I went to college, and I was starting more businesses, and then I always thought, oh, I want to go do investment banking. That's super prestigious. I don't, I don't know why it was just in the back of my head, like go do that. And then I went and did it and like, you're making money and you have prestige and there's not really much time to think about, or at least for me, there wasn't to think about starting up and side hustles. And like over time that like the entrepreneurial drive kind of got sucked out of me. And before I knew it, I'd been in banking for a few years and like, I didn't know what I wanted to do and I didn't feel like I was doing the right thing. And so it took some reflection and leaving banking and going to business school to, to figure all this stuff out. But I, I kind of feel like I should have just continued. I don't even know if I had to go to college, just like continued building businesses, just like I was when I was a kid. I mean, I, I had so many ideas and I was just going, going, going. Um, what do you think about that? Well, I think that's great. I mean, I think that if you can maintain that sense of curiosity and, and, and try to organize your thoughts as much as you possibly can, in whatever capacity, I mean, some people have, jot down their notes and, and have a and and have a, a sketchbook, if you will, of ideas, um, and that they use it to inform it. Uh, other folks have groups of people that they talk with, or confidants that they share their ideas with from time to time, and get together in a in a process oriented way. They might they might get together once a month or the you know the last Thursday of the month for dinner and drinks. Um, I think that's helpful. Uh, other people have a Google Doc and they'll write on a daily basis. What did I learn? Uh, what would I do different? And and ha- and add specificity to those stories that again will inform their thinking as they become founders as they start ideas. And so it, whatever and, and other people they they go to classes. They they'll do meetups and take general assembly or uh, or what have you classes. And and that's a that's another way of just maintaining a high degree of curiosity. I think that's just the most important thing is is to to evaluate situations, to consider the biases that you have in those considerations, and try to eliminate those biases and take in an open mind uh, in into whatever it is that you're looking for. Whether that happens, whether your spark and your your passion comes uh, the day that you graduate from from college, or or five years as you're you know as you're making a making a name for it in, in the in the investment banking world. I don't think it really matters. Uh, what what matters most is you you find that passion. Uh, we, we we like to think of of founders finding the problem that they would be willing to solve for free. And if you're willing to solve that for free for a decade, then you're probably on to something that's that's lasting. Yeah, I I like that a lot. Okay, Michael. So back to your story. Now you spend a couple of years in banking, normal path. Now a couple of years in private equity. Like what's what's happening in your life? Yeah, what happened? So, so here I was. I was at I was at a uh, a middle market private equity firm called Harvest Partners, uh, and and doing well. I'd been there for three years, and and had uh, had closed on a few transactions, been a part of a few deal teams, and in the meantime, also was building a a piece of software for them uh, to support on a variety of activities, and that was a lot of fun. Um, in the meantime, some buddies buddies of mine from Vanderbilt came to me and asked me to put together a financial model. 
Uh, and, you know, here I was living, eating and breathing Excel all day long. And, and these guys uh, started asking me for, for advice and, and feedback on how to build a financial model because they were going out and raising money from, from investors. And, uh, and the, the, the company was Bare Naked Granola. Uh, and, uh, and these, these friends of mine from Vanderbilt were starting the company and, uh, and, and with those conversations, I felt internally the passion that they had for the problem that they were trying to solve for the, for the company that they were aiming to build and for the customers that they were aiming to serve. And, and I, I was hooked. I made the investment. I, I, I encouraged the, the partners at, at, at Harvest to, to look at it and, uh, and felt that bug of entrepreneurship and startup land and, and learned through that experience. I said, that's, that's it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life uh, was to focus on, on the world of, of entrepreneurship and at that stage of a company's formation and capitalization. And so uh, used business school as a switch, made the investment, obviously, uh, used business school as a career switch. And, uh, and, uh, and then, the, you know, and, and we were off to the races. Right. So here's another idea we talk about on this podcast is if you have, if you come from the startup world and you want to get into investment banking, yeah, you need to go to business school. But coming from private equity, you don't have to go to business school to get into the startup world. Like you could have just jumped and started building financial models with this granola company and then the next one and the next one. Um, But like me, I feel like you kind of weren't quite sure how to do this whole entrepreneurship thing. And like really a business school is kind of a soft transition into doing it. I mean, it's an expensive way to do it, but, but, but it, I mean, it does help. Yeah, it does help. I mean, I think that there were, there were a lot of elements of my experience that I over-indexed on, obviously analytical, uh, financial reporting, accounting, uh, statistics, uh, financial modeling, obviously, um, and, and market evaluation. Uh, but I was uh, completely underrepresented on on marketing, on go to market strategies, on some operational uh, complexities, on thinking about team building and culture. You know, you don't get that really at a pro- professional services firm. So there was plenty of opportunity for me to continue to learn while I was at business school. And you're right, it was expensive. It was also at a time when there there were no really accelerators at the time. This is 2005 07 timeframe for from my personal journey. Um, others can do it. You have to be really, really intentional about it. Uh, and what it means is uh, building out a network, right? Because in, 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 our, in all of our lives, regardless of what we decide to do, the power of the network is unparalleled. And for me, I had, ha- had built out a, a great network of investment bankers and lawyers, consultants, uh, mezzanine providers, debt providers, and, and, uh, and other you know, corporate bankers and the like. Um, I had not yet built out a network of uh, developers, engineers, product people, builders, designers, and folks that are absolutely critical to uh, to building, particularly software uh, startups. And and so the the career switch was really a network switch as well. And so for folks that the, for for the listeners to to be able to think about that and and take all that into consideration and say, okay, well, what do I need to do? In order to shift that network and 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 adjust it, um, you can find ways of doing that that are far cheaper than uh, than than ba- than than business school. And on the other hand, just be mindful of the speed at which you do that because you need to do it really quickly. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So you go to business school, you pay the money to go do that. 
You, this is like a switch in your head, though. You're, you're leaving a secure job that pays you lots of money, that gets you inside of these boardrooms, which you had been in since you were eight, eight years old. Uh, and you say, okay, I'm going to become a, a founder, entrepreneur. I go to business school. I spend some money. I leave a prestigious job. Was that scary? Uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the scariest uh, moment of, was, was that, that last day at Harvest Partners where you know, I was saying farewell to a, to a, a career path that uh, that is was both lucrative and uh, you know had high intellectual uh, uh, curiosity to it, right? I mean, it is a very very f- uh, uh, interesting and intellectually stimulating uh, career, um, and so that was that was you know, really scary. But on the other hand, I, I was committed. I, I knew this was this was right for me, and again, it was something that I was willing to do for free. I was willing to 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 dive headfirst into the world of start into the world of startup uh because i i i has passion about it and so when you've got that internal passion it's it's a lot easier to make those make those decisions in that career switch but um uh but yeah that was that was a tough choice for me sure and it's super helpful to be so focused going into business school a lot of people go to business school with no clue of what they want to do and kind of the path of least resistance is just to go into management consulting or go work for a tech company or something. And so a lot of them are like, oh, yeah, I want to be an entrepreneur. And then they get a job offer from Bain and they're like, oh, I'll do the summer internship here. And then, you know, I'm not going to take the full time thing. I'm going to then I'm going to become an entrepreneur. And then you just don't. And then you go become a consultant for four years. And before you know it, it's like you have a family and then like the entrepreneurship kind of passes you by. Um, but I had this professor in business school that said you can't. Uh, you know, you don't want to die with the music still going on inside of you. You 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 got you got to find a way to get that. If you have that entrepreneurial bug, you got to find a way to find an outlet for that. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody's arc is different, right? I mean, the the one one of the things that I I recommend to anybody uh, is to have intentionality to whatever endeavor you have, and and sometimes the intentionality it has to be open. You know, you go to a party. Right. And, and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And you're OK with that. That's that's still being intentional about that, that event. With respect to business school, I, I was intent on on the network switch and the like. And and it was funny because I didn't step foot in the career service office while I was at business school. Um, it just wasn't my path. Uh, my, my journey did not did not go through interviews. And, and frankly, I, I haven't even updated my resume in the last 15 years. So, so I, 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 you know, again, it's, uh, I, I was, I was very clear about, about what that approach was. We, we had a, a fun class at, 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 at school. Um, that was essentially about exploring, uh, career cho- careers in broken, unloved or new companies. And and the reason for that is that you know when when a company's broken, when a company's on love, when a company's brand new, it, it is it is not transparent. It's murky. It's opaque. And so that outcome, given that it's opaque, illuminating that outcome and and making it more transparent, that requires a lot of work. And you build great career stories as a result of doing that. So you know, for for listeners on the on the call uh, on the podcast that are that are thinking about that switch, man, that's. That's one way of thinking about what would be a, a very, very interesting, um, you know, next next step in their in their path. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I want to get into more of your story, but there's another kind of idea there. I've, a lot of people have come on this podcast and they say, "You want to work for a startup? Great. Go work for one 
that's raised money, go work for Dropbox or, you know, Uber, or I mean, not Uber anymore, but like go work for a company that's like doing it, get in that world, you see what's working, what's not working, you know, maybe there's a few hundred people there, you're, you're kind of like getting exposed to some of the great stuff in the startup ecosystem. And then from there, jump. I mean, out of business school, I didn't take that path. I went the super risky path and joined, you know, an, un- an unknown fintech company and we'll, and we'll, we'll see if it works. And I'm, I'm learning a lot, but you know, if it, if it fails, it's not like I have some great name on my resume to, to rebound with, but you know, I'm kind of like you, I'm betting on myself. I think that this is the right path for me. And then that's what I'm going to be doing going forward. So I don't really need a name. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty bad person to ask for career advice from, to be honest. I mean, we're, we're the earliest investors that you'll ever meet. And so as a result, we, we have near infinite risk tolerance. Um, so, so I'm always looking at what's going to get you out of bed and, and so that you're jumping out of bed in the morning to, to dive into the problems that, that are ahead of you. And, and, and from my perspective, those those problems, there's a lot of problems and a lot of challenges at the earliest stages. And and you know, as a as an employer and as an as a board member of many companies that that have job openings, we'd far rather find folks that have demonstrated their passion for specific problems and their commitment to solving those problems than than the the pedigree of the of the name on the you know on the resume. So you know, while it is interesting to go pursue a a, a career uh, and learn for for several several years at a at a you know at an established company that that uh, that is still private and it might be a billion dollar company, um, you're going to learn a lot from those for sure. But you're going to learn so much more by being a part of a of a team of 10, 20, 30 people. Um, now, for for folks who are not willing to take the take the plunge, you can always always uh, you know have them as side hustles and support them with advisory work for a period of time, and and you know just just find ways that you can help and uh, and then and then do the work, and before you know it, you'll find a great fit with a with a team and and join them on a full time basis. Sure, that makes sense. Okay, so Michael, get us from graduating from business school to where you are today. Fill in that part of the story. Oh man! So so while I was at school, I, I started a couple of companies, and and you know low low risk place to explore and experiment, and uh, and you know the the silver lining is that, uh, and I'm a I'm a a, a consummate optimist. So uh, the silver lining is that I, I learned from each one faster than the other, and so we put our pencils down uh, ten times faster for each of the opportunities that we were looking on and looking at, and so the the learning curve is near vertical in, in as you start companies. Um, but never raised capital, put our pencils down. They were, they were not necessarily interesting, but in the meantime, had gone through, uh, the, the business plan competitions and had been competing with, with other members and colleagues of mine from my class. And, and, uh, we, we ultimately placed second in the business plan competition, uh, and, uh, but, but lost to a, uh, a, a nimble company called tube mogul, T U B E mogul and, uh, and tube mogul, you know, eight years later, uh, went public on the NASDAQ and, and ultimately got sold to Adobe a couple of years after that. And, and, uh, and so, you know, back then at the time, if you, you know, they, they beat us. So if you can't beat them, join them. And, uh, I joined them as an investor and, and served as their very first investor. Um, and, and so, you know, from that experience of having supported them with, with some other feedback and, and some other founders, uh, who were, who are starting companies and thinking about financial modeling and thinking, I mean, that was what I knew at the time, right? I didn't know anything else. 
And, uh, and, and so, you know, started making angel investments. And before you know it, uh, had built up a portfolio of a handful of companies um, and, uh, and started to realize that, that this, was, this was what I wanted to do. It was, it was a, a, a stage of company formation that I was passionate about. And, uh, and I fell in love with it. And it's, been, it's what I've been doing ever since. Um, it, it required a, a, an, an intensity of, of focus around what type of the type of people and why I was making the decisions that we were making in the first place. And we can dive into those details, but, uh, but it was really as a result of experimentation and, and thinking about it for, for years actually, but, um, to, to get me to the point where we actually started and bootstrapped my very own venture capital firm. So, you know, I'm I'm a four four time founder, and the first three were crashes crash and burn, but the uh, but the fourth is B Partners, and and so proud and and honored to be doing the work that we're doing. Yeah, and I'm interested in how you identify companies, what you look for, because you're oftentimes the very first investor, the first check into one of these companies, and so like there maybe there's less amount of traction or not even a product. And so it's, you're betting just on the people and the team and the opportunity, but you know, a lot of investors, they're looking for, Oh, who else invested? Who can I follow? Like, that's not you. You're out there blazing the trail. That's right. Yeah. We're, we're honored. We're honored about that. We're delighted to, 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 to do it because there are very few other investors that will actually take that, that plunge. And, and that was part of the issue. You know, we were out raising capital as, as founders Way back when we we were we were trying to find that founder who would write a big check to us based on us as a team and betting on us as 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 individuals rather than necessarily the traction or the the progress that we've made to date because we were working on a big bold idea but it 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 required a, a decent amount of capital to get started and and those folks just really didn't exist uh, and and that's why that's why B Partners was was built was. To, to, to develop lifetime partnership and to be partners with the founders at inception without necessarily relying on other people to say yes to a deal without relying on there being, you know, progress from a product perspective or customer traction, if you will. Um, and so at the end of the day, we make decisions on people. Um, and of course we're, we're evaluating the opportunity and, and how they, how they think and, and why they fit the, with the problem and why they have passion. But at the end of the day, we we subscribe to the notion that if we uh, if we partner with great people, then those folks they'll be able to figure it out. They'll figure out how to how to get a, a customer over the, across the finish line. They'll figure out how to release a product. And obviously, we help a lot in that in that context as well. But uh, but the point is that there's there's plenty of risks that we think our our um, that we can absorb in spite of being so early. That we have high confidence can be resolved in very very short short period of time, right? And I completely relate, agree with it. The whole it seems like the whole startup ecosystem has kind of moved up market now. I mean, whereas companies used to get funded on like an idea or some type of you know prototype product, it's now it's it's not just an idea. You have to build the product, and then the product is still not enough. You have to have traction and get in the market, and and then. And then an investor say, oh, well, like we've got a product and we've got traction. And they say, okay, now, now show me revenues. And it's like, when is it ever enough? So it's cool. It's encouraging to hear that, you know, there's firms like you and people like you that are, you know, supporting the ecosystem at the very infancy. Well, thanks. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's right. It's funny because we've been, 
we've been doing this for 12 years now and and really the the market spotlight is now really shining on the earliest stages and i think part of it is because the seed has become really crowded uh like you said most investors are are interested in in traction they're interested in seeing that there's a product in the wild that there's that there's customer traction and that other people are investing in it so um, we're, we're, we're more than, than happy to, to, to serve on behalf of our founders and, and take a leap of faith along with them. And, uh, and it really comes as a result of building trust, uh, and having confidence in their ability to execute and execute fast. And look, we, you know, we, we've got some great companies in the portfolio that, that are, 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 you know, are beacons for, for the founders of tomorrow that include, you know, companies like Indiegogo and Tradesy, um, Skycatch, the guys from TBH that sold to Facebook last year, and obviously TubeMobile. Uh, so we're we're really excited about what we what we've been able to achieve, and there's still more to come for sure. And it's a it's a it's a long path and long journey, but uh, but it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, sounds so cool. Okay, so here's the last question: You were fortunate, like you were able to, you know, while you're working in private equity, you start to identify, oh, I have a passion for kind of getting involved with the companies at an early level. I want to be an entrepreneur. You know, what do you tell someone today who's working in investment banking or private equity? They're not, they're not quite sure that it's right for them. Like, what? How do you tell them to try to figure out what their path is going to be? Yeah, sure. Well, I I, I would start with a blank page and and uh, articulate what you're great at. Uh, and then, and then match it with what you love to do from a from a professional perspective, obviously, and and see if those see how you can potentially channel that into some work that you can do on behalf of your friends or others that are actually starting companies, and just just start uh, and 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 start working for for uh, for startups uh, in in some type of advisory capacity. You know, don't expect a lot. Don't expect to to get to get shares or or become an informal advisor or what have you, because the the karma aspect of the entrepreneurial community is 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 pretty is pretty remarkable and it's it's a very very different culture and mentality than than what we typically experience in the investment banking and private equity world, um, and, and so you have to you have to believe in that um, and and just get going. Um, you know if, if you. If you can do it and carve out time and be methodical about it, uh, then uh, ultimately you, you, that your curiosity and your your willing being willingness to be wrong and that curiosity will lead to uh, a lot of a lot of self confidence and and knowledge about what is that that path ahead. Um, you know, there's there's other paths uh, that you could pursue. You can you could pursue formal paths through venture or joining a large firm. Um, but at the end of the day, what's most important is that you, you start building your own opinion and having your own opinion about a market or a technology and that you're willing to share that opinion and share that knowledge. And again, being willing to be wrong and shaping your point of views by, uh, through collaboration is, is so important. Um, so yeah. Okay, cool. Well, awesome advice. So much fun hearing your path. I, I really enjoyed it. So, Michael, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, honored to, to be here and uh, I'm looking forward to connecting with, with those who, who'd like to in the, in the near future. And thanks again for, for having me. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today. Let me know what you think. Leave me a review on iTunes and tell your friends about this podcast. Thanks.